Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Well, Villa made it four wins in five on Saturday with a huge 2-0 win at Chelsea. We'll get to that in a minute. And later on, Frankie dishes, dishes up another salivatingly good spicy question. Uh, but first things first, Frankie, how are you? Well, I'll tell you what, what an incredible weekend it has been as an Aston Villa fan, uh, to be based in London specifically. So uh, I went to the Stamford Bridge game and uh, the atmosphere <clears throat> from start to finish, absolutely incredible. It just felt like Villa, play- Villa fans know what is happening. Some, it feels like something spe- unique is happening there because it was just from pre-game right through to the you know post-match. It's just mm. non-stop chanting, really loud, amazing in- 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 you know, experience. And then today uh, I played for the AVFC London Lions. If you're based in London, get involved. And we played Newcastle today in the, the big grudge match, uh, the local Newcastle United London team. So we're in a league where we supposedly where we play a lot of teams, you know, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Fiorentina, um, Panathinaikos, PSG, um, regularly beat them, of course. Um, of course. That's what Aston Villa do. But, uh, Played Newcastle today in the big grudge match. And George, Newcastle United nil, Aston Villa eight. Oof, and so I think Professor Unai Emery's got a lot to live up to when we play Newcastle <laughs> in a couple of weeks. And uh, <laughs> amazingly, now don't ask me how this happened, but for but I don't know the full story, but BT Sport are filming Newcastle Supporters Club playing matches this season right, in the league. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I probably should know more about why that is, but... They were they were filming it and if, and you know when I saw the cameras there I thought finally I'm going to make my mom and dad proud finally <laughs> I'm going to make them proud so I managed to get two late in the day they were already killed off and I thought Do you know what I'll put I'll, I'll just I'll put a little gloss on it two goals late on so uh, added this I think I added the seventh and the eighth the killer goals the winning goals <laughs> the ones that were really needed salt in the wounds uh, goals all about the goal difference in it. Uh, so yeah, um, that was, it was just a uh, it was brilliant. And then BT Sport like, interviewed me at half t- uh, like like when I was off the pitch, yeah. and I was like, "This is how do players do this?" Like I was in like pure panic station. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously the lads, you know, yeah, obviously we we're very worried. You know, we we we're, we're happy with how we're concentrating today. Yeah, we're five nil up, but we can't lose the concentration. We have got to keep going. You know, can't concede one. Or- I just turned into one of them like. Typical, like... Renter gobs. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what we are, George, anyway. Which is what we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who are we kidding? Unprofessional renter gobs is what we are. So. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Like, it's just... um Like I say, look, hey, if you're in London, we get a lot of listeners from London. Come join the London Lions. Like, a really great group of people. And you get to play football games where you win 8-0, so... Well, I'm, su- I'm surprised if they were doing a documentary about Newcastle, whether the Newcastle United fans, after an 8-0 drubbing, were, you know, trying to set fire to the tapes or something. <laughs> So your inter- your interview will never see the light of day, Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> this is Newcastle's version of Newcastle till I die. Yeah. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever Tiger King when like there's that episode where that random guy burns down the entire studio? Yeah, exactly. So they lose yeah. all of it. <laughs> it's like the guys are filming it today. They'll be like CCTV footage of a guy in like a black and white shirt. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's the same Newcastle fan that punched that horse. That yeah, time, that police horse. Sure. <laughs> he's he's at, he's at it again, burning yeah. burning tapes. He's there, yeah, just he carrying a bottle things. of Newcastle Brunel. Uh, <laughs> punches the horse, punches his way in. I gotta find that tip. I gotta find that tip. You villa bastards. 
So <laughs> I did look, I did apologize for the whole banner as well. I said, look, I didn't write it. I did laugh at it, it, but I didn't write it. And it's just a legitimate question. Who is the next Messiah? Ant or Deck? I don't know. I just wanted to know. Exactly, exactly. It did yeah, yeah. It, did, it didn't need it didn't need to sort of, you know, become incendiary on social media, which it no. which it always whenever whenever Villa play Newcastle, I see that image just right. on my on my feed relentlessly. The, the, New, the Newcastle guys here are extremely nice, like really, really good guy, group of people. Um, but I do get the central Newcastle fans, they just don't like Villa. Through mm. all that like nonsense a few yeah. like back in back in 2009, I want to say. A game I was at. Yeah. Um so so yeah. Uh, it should be it's water water under the bridge. It's water, you know. Water under the tine. <laughs> water under the tine. Water, t- yeah. water under the tine bridge. <laughs> um right. Well, as you say, Frankie, you were at the Chelsea game. You saw it live in, in person. So so what did you make of it from where you were sitting? I gotta say. Like I, said, I mentioned earlier, the atmosphere from Villa, I don't know if this translated on TV, but the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I did watch on TV and, and all you could hear were Villa fans, which is inevitable considering, you know, obviously we took the lead and and, and picked up the 2-0 win. But yeah. Um, yeah, I really, honestly, from like minute one, I, it was it was really all I could hear. I, I kind of felt like Chelsea... Uh, oh, oh, sorry. The, I sort of felt the Villa fans kind of... There's a combination of we've all bought into Unai Emery, right? So we're all there's there's a there's a level of excitement that we know something quite positive is happening here. Well, quite very positive is happening here. But on top of that, I think a lot of Villa fans turned up to this game thinking Chelsea are here to be beaten. Yeah. Or we can we can get something from this. Mm-hmm. And even on the rivalries episode that I did last week, um, with the Chelsea supporter, Will Dalton, I, I um I never want to predict Villa win anything because I, I just know it's going to come back and bite me. But I did say I said I think I think Villa might do it this weekend. I just I just feel the momentum's there. Looking at both sides, um, and you know I, you, you, when you're at the game and the atmosphere is as like electric as it was, it's quite hard to focus on what exactly is going on in the game itself. Mm. Like you know the tactical switches and which players like you know causing problems here and there. But what I could, what I did feel overall was that I, I felt Villa were just organised generally, like just yeah. an, like quite capable of just sucking up whatever pressure it was Chelsea put on, and that Chelsea had a lot of width, but it felt like it it was just kind of like irrelevant. It never really quite. I never really, other than a fifteen minute spell in the first half where I thought they were going to get a goal and Chilwell was probably unlucky to have his header ruled out. Very clever of Ashley on, by the way. Great man. Um, <laughs> build a statue to him right now. Uh, getting a tattoo of him on the face, um, along with Professor Noy Emery. I, I just sort of felt like, I, I kind of felt like Villa were largely in control. And I mean, first half, yes, there was that 15 minute spell where I think Mudrick was throwing goal. Yeah. Took that shot far too early. Yeah. I think Jao Felix had a, took a shot. Great save from Martinez. Chilwell and Lucky not to score, hitting the post and the disallowed goal. But that there was only that little spell. And when I look at the post-match stats and think Chelsea had 27 shots to Villa's five, eight on target to Villa's two, and Villa win 2-0. I don't, I, I don't quite know what that's saying really about Chelsea. Mm. I think it's a, it's generally a trend with Graham Potter at Brighton. They They had a lot of possession, a lot of chances, but didn't score much. Yeah, so it's incredibly weird that something extremely similar is happening at Chelsea, 
Um, but I just felt like when I looked at them, I thought they need a Lukaku here because there's no focal point. They've got like two, a couple of false nine type players in Felix and Kai Havertz. And, but I feel like Mings and Concer are just able to deal with this. Mm. And I just feel like a physical presence holding the ball up, somebody like a Lukaku would have made quite a difference yesterday. But ultimately, it was a, yet another game with Villa away from home as we were against Tottenham when we won 2-0. As we were against Brighton when we won two one, and again yesterday against Chelsea, we just looked, I thought, like, like relatively composed. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, how did it come across to you on TV? Yeah, I mean, it felt like a vintage Unai Emery performance and oh, win result. We're already there. I love that we're already at the vintage stage. <laughs> yeah, half a season in, it's vintage, yeah. vintage Emery stuff. This. <laughs> Um, yeah. But it, but it, but it, I genuinely like. There is a, there is a blueprint, and as you, as you say, um, you know, or as you were intimating, you know, Villa, Villa, do seem to have much more of a structure and a, and a, and a, and a way about them, um, especially compared to Chelsea. I, I think mm. it was plain for everybody, everybody to see really that there was one team that was organised. The players knew that what they were doing. They were tactically sound. Um, they had been briefed, and the other side were a little bit all over the shop. You know, players played sort of out of position. I mean, I know Emery. Emery, you know, he likes to play players out of position in his own way. Obviously, you know, mm. McGinn's been playing on the right, for example, and you know, but but even so, there's you know, there's there's method behind that. There's 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 an awareness, a tactical awareness behind those decisions. Whereas, you know, Potter has been in charge of Chelsea for a few months now, and I never got a sense from them as to what they were actually doing. You know, Reese James playing kind of on the inside rather than uh, on the right was a strange move, I thought. Um, you know, he, he's arguably one of the best right backs in the country. So what, what's he doing playing there loftus cheek playing as like a wing back instead yeah. of james you know it would just seem and, and as you say the whole kind of they don't have a striker really you know Havertz is not a striker he's not he's nowhere near prolific enough and and arguably their best strikers on loan in italy so so it's um yeah it's a, it's a team that's all over the place and, For and all we the took, money they spent as well I, I know it's just incredible isn't it wow. really but um on the contracts but, are wrong yeah precisely so i think i think i think you know, I think they're in a real mess, Chelsea. I think it's going to take them actually a very long time to get them out of it, to be honest. But anyway, that's not our problem. Um, yeah, I mean, from, but from a Villa perspective, we, we yeah, took full advantage of that and we were clinical. I mean, as you say, the stats speak for themselves. Two shots on target, two goals. Um, you know, when I thought, when, when Watkins fluffed his lines uh, yeah. earlier, yeah. I, I was thinking, oh God, is it going to be one of those kind of games where we kind of rue those missed chances but to be fair to him he recovered and um really really good finish after a, yeah. you know complete defensive cock up there by Correa what is a 60 yeah. million pound player well exactly i mean he's just all over million. the place there like positionally all over the place and and serious lack of communication between him and Kulabali. yeah all com- comes comes Watkins's way and lovely little dink over the kepper and it's and it's 1-0 he's now scored 5 um, in five away games on the bounce, which is yeah. a new record for a Villa player. I it think. is. So now that you know, records records are tumbling there for Watkins, and I think he's the first Villa player in Premier League history to score 
uh, to get double figures in three straight seasons, which is another mm. very impressive achievement for yeah. Ollie Watkins. So, um, so that was that was great. And then second half, you expect a reaction from Chelsea. There just wasn't one, you know. There was just, it, it, you know, if anything, it sort of felt even more comfortable from a Villa perspective. And then John McGinn with an absolute worldie from thirty yards. I mean, it's one of those ones you watch on TV where you've got a player running in off screen. Mm. Uh, and it's just he hit it with such a beautiful sort of connection side foot and and there's an angle behind the goal where you just see it curve just into the you know the well, the, the side of the net you know Kepa was at full stretch and was nowhere near it, it I, was thought it was I thought it was unsavable I thought it was a brilliant finish yeah yeah it was it was it was brilliant and George did you see before the game I tweeted McGinn to score today. I yes, yeah, yeah. I did, and I, I while well, I listened to the show you did um, pre Chelsea, and um, you know you mentioned McGinn there. I wondered who that and... one download was. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you, you know you mentioned McGinn, and and uh, you know we've talked about it for a while you know his form's improving and, and you hit the nail on the head in that episode you said he, he, he's he's very close to getting that goal you know he yeah. and he has been he's he's getting much more forward I mean the past couple of games he's been unfortunate because Kamara has been injured so he's had to drop back to a more defensive role but before then he was you know really really making a nuisance of himself further up the pitch and it was only a matter of time and obviously Kamara managed to shake off that injury so McGinn did have a bit more license to get forward and, and that's the result that's what he's capable of and that's the McGinn that we have seen before that's the McGinn yeah. that we see play for Scotland internationally and that's the McGinn I think going forward that we will see um you know that's that's his best position and and what a inspirational signing he is Two, you know two and a half million pounds from Hibs it's just remarkable isn't oh, it what a servant he's been and and, and yeah. what a what a player he is and given everything he's been through this season you know with the the pressure of the captaincy given to him all that talk about you know Ming's being stripped of the armband and you know, the yeah. pressure on him and falling out of form and you know Gerard having to back him up and all that it's and I mean that feels like a million years ago now yeah you know he's just he's just had this huge huge change in form in in, in the space of a couple of weeks a few weeks since Emery's taken over really and um yeah yesterday was just a cherry on top of, of a good really really good few weeks of form from John McGinn so yeah just just a brilliant um a brilliant game to watch Martinez now um you know we've put in some great great performances uh, in the last few weeks, great performance again yesterday, and and the uh, was he the, the he's reached a hundred hundred games with Villa and, and racked up the most clean sheets for mm-hmm. the goalkeeper. So another record there for him. It's just it's just all going one way, isn't it? Uh, and that's Premier up. League so, title next season. Premier League title, yeah, you said it. Erling so, Haaland is lives in a darkened room right now. He's like. Oh. <laughs> But hey, people, I tell you what, people fear the Villa, and if you you know look at our fixtures, we are playing all the teams really around us. So it's you know there's there's people that are kind of they're starting to take notice, but I'm kind of hoping it's weird. Off the it's, radar. It's um, weird, isn't it? But, but I feel like Villa have just been completely overlooked. Yeah, like, I, I just feel the job Emery's done is absolutely astonishing. I think I think it, I think mainly because the teams above us are the teams that you wouldn't expect to to, to be there. So you look, the likes yeah. of Brentford, Brighton, and Fulham, mm. they've caused a bit of a media stir because everyone predicted most you know those three teams would be much lower down the table. Now they're yeah. scrapping for. Oh, you know, breaking the... news, George! Breaking news! It's just it. flashed up on my phone. Graham Potter has been sacked. Wow, sacked by Chelsea. Breaking news. Breaking live news. on air. 
so 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 let me get this straight on the same day the team we've just played have sacked their manager and the next team we are to play have sacked their manager. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it says a lot that it's like, Chelsea are like, you, you lose to Villa, you're sacked. Yeah. Leicester are like, oh, bloody hell, Villa. Villa next. <laughs> get rid of Rogers. Jeez, just get go. We need to get someone else in, please. Uh, the, the, <laughs> but the thing is, like, you look at these clubs and you think, right, you got, uh, look at Spurs, you look at Chelsea. Yeah. And I looked at the Chelsea-Villa game yesterday and I was like, Unai, you would take Unai Emery over Potter every any day, day of the week. Any of, day of the week. Like, completely. And yeah. that's not to say that Potter's an, you know, I wanted Potter as villa manager when we got Gerard. That was who I thought at the time would be a good addition. I still think he would have been fine for Villa. But I think you could see the limitations with Chelsea yesterday. Whereas I think with Emery, like, you know, Emery has worked with what is quite a limited squad right now with mm-hmm. one or two weak spots and, you know, one striker essentially and Ollie Watkins sold Danny Ings. So the work is done with that and playing, you know, centre midfielders out wide in Ramsey and McGinn. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's incredible. And he's got well, all I, of them improving. I, I, I wonder with Emery though, because, you know, Jesus, I hope there's no Chelsea links with Emery. That's 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 a worry. I mean, I, I guess I guess Nagelsmann will be the most obvious choice for them. If, yeah. If, but but anyway, that's yeah, not Chelsea podcast, so yeah, um, not a problem. Um, but but yeah, like I I think with Emery, the le- like the level of club that he's had the most success at has mm. been has been that kind of Villa level, as Valencia, in big club, Sevilla. big clubs, but not the top, top, top clubs. You yeah. know, he was at Arsenal. I mean, relatively, I don't think he really did struggle that much, but by their standards, particularly at the time, and they he were a wasn't mess, good a at, mess behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, a complete Everyone mess. Forgets it. A complete mess, right. exactly. He was, he was a scapegoat, but the prevailing reputation is he was a flop at Arsenal. That's, that's yeah. the prevailing reputation he has. And then at PSG, people will only remember that ridiculous comeback from Barcelona in the Champions yeah. League semi-final quarterfinal whatever it was Quarters so well, yeah. so he was so he was seen as a bit of a flop of PSG so I like to think that in the minds of kind of the managers of these co- of these clubs that that they'll they'll overlook Emery which is a daft thing to do because Emery's a, just a genius manager and he and he will be successful at any club G- he's at I think G- genius is uh genius well we might be getting carried away but he's is, is hey, good if, in my in, in my mind in my in my mind he is i mean he's arguably got to be the best one is of the it, best tactical managers we've, we've ever had like, like I, I cannot remember the only only for me only martin o'neill has had this level of impact in such a short space of time yeah and in, I, the, I, in the premier league i know dean I'm, smith did well obviously in the Premiership. i'm fully in love with him like, i will get a tattoo of him on my face professor unai <laughs> even yesterday just it's like he's like um he's like a partner who just buys you flowers all the time. Like after the Chelsea game, the first picture up on Twitter is like Professor Unai like on the on the coach looking up Leicester's tactics for Tuesday. We don't rest. Yeah. We we go again on Tuesday. I was like, Professor Unai, like <laughs> yeah, you know how to you know you've got the keys to my heart, you've unlocked it, you've you've figured it out. It's he's not... actually playing. He's actually playing like solitaire or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah but on his laptop. But um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no. But, but he definitely is. I mean, he he he's just. Um, he, I think he clearly is like a workaholic. Like he. Oh yeah. He's obsessed with 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 like football, and I and I think you kind of have to be like to be like the 
the, the best managers in the world. Like you have to be a, almost a bit kind of, I don't know, yeah. like a proper, just a proper anorak when it comes to if, football. If he wasn't a football manager, he'd be the kind of nerd who runs a football podcast, I think. Yeah. Like he's obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we don't know anyone like that, do we, George? We've never, we, yeah, we've never no, got not, it down. No, not no. at all. No, I don't, I don't know anyone like that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just felt, I felt live. I thought player-wise, uh, Watkins, his movement, I just didn't think Koulibaly really was able ever to deal with him. And I, I can't, you know, I can't really remember what Chelsea spent on Koulibaly, but I think he's like 31 years of age or something. You know, I mean, no, he did, I didn't think he looked like, I thought Watkins had him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chilwell and Dan James looked really good. Yeah. Really good. And mm. I think Jao Felix looks really good, but they just weren't in a system that quite, I think, brought the best out of them. Um, no. well, apart from Chilwell, probably, I thought he did very well. But um, but then you're looking at like Villa-wise, I thought, again, it was just it's just on the ball, much more comfortable. I think there's probably improvements to be made. I think there were a couple of occasions we could have run in behind a bit more. One or two occasions where I think Buendia didn't want to make that run behind. He likes to get the ball to feet and play. And I think maybe there were one or two occasions where I did think, ah, oh, get, get in behind now, now, so there's a ball up the channel and you can hit them on the counter quicker and yeah i, I think um, there was there was some there was some some bad decision making in terms of sort of passes uh you know we we weren't holding on to the ball probably as well as we would have wanted to yeah um yeah. you know a couple of wayward passes and and the rest of it but you know i don't know like it's partly things is to be expected it's a way at stanford bridge our record at chelsea yeah. is terrible you know it always has been so uh, they they did press as well i thought i thought they were actually quite well set up to do that mm-hmm. Um, but we again, we we just looked much more confident playing it around at the back. Mings again, I just he's, yeah. he's, he's one of the best players and best defenders in the Premier League at the moment. I really mm-hmm. think that. And I thought Moreno did did well as well. Um, mm-hmm. Douglas Luiz, John McGinn, probably man of the match for Villa, I'd say John yeah. McGinn, just yeah. what he contributed all round and again having to slot into Kamara's position and just looked you know really good so yeah Ashley just, Young looked good I mean you know obviously he had to come in for uh, Matt Cash so um I so. loved I loved the way he sold that push by Chilwell for the disallowed goal yeah flying over <laughs> roll around cover your face peek through your fingers for the yellow card that's the experience that's the you know every that's... every year of experience there he played for you know plain to see that's what it's all about <laughs> that's, what, that's why we love him all Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome back, everybody. Now it is time for this. George and I could be about to have a huge punch-up, like a Vander Holyfield and Mike Tyson back in the 90s, where I will probably bite George's ear off yet again as happened in Chippy Alley and Cardiff. That didn't happen, Mom, don't worry. Uh, in this, the spicy question. And today, George, I ask you this. Can Aston Villa dare, dare to dream of a top four finish next season? I'm getting carried away, George, but I'm going there. Hell, I'm let's, do it. let's do it this season. Yeah. Why wait? <laughs> yeah. Why wait? Um, yeah. I... I, I... <sighs> I don't know. Right. Okay. So here's here's, 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 here's how I'm gonna because I, I don't I don't want to be labelled as a fan who's like naively thinks that you know a, a club like Villa can just burst into the Champions League because 
there needs to be a number of factors that needs to be going on. It can't be basically. I, I, I don't think we can do it all on our own. We have to rely yeah. on some external factors coming into play if that is to happen. However, what I would say from our own kind of internal perspective, we are in a very good place. We, um, you know, we're 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 bang in form. We look very confident. We've got some great players there, but ultimately, you know, we have to we have to make the right signings in the summer for sure. Uh, Emery has to be backed. I think I think what the past five months have proven is that you know he is the man to bankroll for sure. You know, mm-hmm. so if whatever he wants, you know, if and and if and if and if the owners are serious as well, if they want if they want to be in that reckoning then they need to back Emery financially to make sure that he brings in the players that he needs to fit his system. Mm. Um, and if obviously it depends on whether those players want to come to Villa, I mean, why, you know, why wouldn't you? But um, oh, yeah. you know, if they, if Killian they do decide, <laughs> very interested, reunited with uh, Professor Uno. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if, if they, if they want to come, I think we need to get them in early as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think it's so important to get, the transfer window right from a, like a logistical perspective and getting the right players in quickly and shipping players that you might not want out the door. So everyone's in nice and early and they're fit and fresh and tactically they're aware of what the manager wants for the, for August next year, August this year, sorry. So, um, so that's kind of, that's one thing. Um, another thing is the current top four clubs. One of them needs to implode. I mean, you know, we've seen it from Chelsea this season. Liverpool. I, I, the yeah, we've seen it from Liverpool this season, Spurs this season, Spurs, very yeah. inconsistent. You know, United obviously they lot. You know, they, they haven't. They, you know, ever since really ever since Fergie left, they haven't been you know that level. Mm. Um, so you're only really looking at you know Arsenal. Obviously, they're having a, an amazing season this season, but who knows what they're going to be doing next year? You just you just don't know. This season could be a one-off, a bit of a fluke. Who knows? So. Everything feels a lot more malleable now. You know, you've got Newcastle now with their huge investment. Um, and they're going to make a really big push to get into the top four, not only this season, but next season too. They're going to have a huge summer. I think they're going to get top four this season. Though. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, yeah. And if they do, then that puts them in even a stronger position, Bloody probably to even annoying. make make a title challenge next year. Who knows? Why can't then- more people beat them 8-0? know <laughs> exactly. I know, yeah. In front of the Follow your example. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's something to consider, and then you've got other teams like that are just very well coached and very well yeah. run and managed, like Brentford and Brighton, who obviously you know they are they are teams which which any team in the league struggle to play against. Yeah. Um, so everything does feel a lot more fluid than it has done in previous years. Mm. Um, so so that gives me again kind of more hope, but that kind of needs to carry on into next season for us to have any hope of of getting into, into the top four um but yeah i mean i just I, as i said because it is so fluid I, I don't see why any re- any reason why you know we can't go into next year with that as a like a focus or a target or i think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's obviously a very much a cliche but taking games one at a time and and kind of reviewing after like a 10 game spell and a 20 game mm. spell, like where you are, for, you know, do you know what I mean? Like break the season up into chunks and yeah. look at the fixtures and see what you, your targets are. 
and and then and then yeah and then if we're if we're if we're sort of on that track then why then why not but but i do think certain things do need to go in our favor definitely i mean it's a hell of a challenge there are some massive clubs out there with huge budgets huge reputations incredible world-class managers but beyond the current top six you know you're probably looking at villa as that next club in terms of the stature the finance the manager the players Mm to at least be, you know, just outside that group. And as I said, if a couple of the bigger teams above us kind of have like implode, if a manager just goes do lally and, you know, players mm. stop playing for them, one of those, you know, which can happen as we've seen at, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool this season, then why not? You know, yeah, don't see why not. Well, a couple of factors have gone Newcastle's way. I think that, you know, they, they've had an incredible year under Eddie Howe, Newcastle really like a full 12 months under him. I think they've been, um, that he's just raised the standard of a lot of players that, that squad wise I don't think actually is better than Villa no. really. Um yeah. and I think he all the players have bought into it, the the fans have bought into it. Mm-hmm. They've made a couple of very good buys. You know, Isaac I think is a fantastic striker. Guimarães is a really great Botman. They have spent a lot of money, but at the same time I still don't think they're squad I think they're ahead of I think yes. if they finish top four this season, I think they're ahead of where they probably Absolutely. should be squad-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just look at Villa and think, um, well, look, you know, we are not in a dissimilar position to what Newcastle were exactly a year ago. You've got fans that are buying into this. You've got a really high-quality coach. You've got a squad that, as I just said, like isn't that much different to what Newcastle's was. Like, maybe arguably better than what Newcastle had a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um. Why can't Villa dream of aiming for... Well, look at it this way. If you go into next season and you're a Villa player and you say, I'm happy to finish top half, well, what's the point of playing? Well, yeah. yeah well, but, you, you know, I, mean, I, I know there's like realism and all this, but you gotta, you got to aim like, I want to be, I want to challenge for trophies and I want to challenge for... I do want to challenge for the top four. And I know it's it's very like early, you know, it's very early on to say this and... People will say, shut your mouth or whatever. But I'm, I'm not saying that I believe that Villa will get top four. I think, as I say, I think Newcastle are ahead of schedule. And I think a couple of factors have gone their way. Spurs are bad. Liverpool well, was, are bad. Chelsea was, are bad. I was going to say, put put it this way. Okay. Who, you'd argue Spurs arguably are a top four team. Top four, mm. top five, right? Who in the Spurs team would you have in the Villa team? And vice versa. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, like Okay, okay, Kane, Son. I put, you know. I put, I put Jon Duran ahead of Harry Kane. <laughs> um, aside from the obvious two, which is Kane and Son, mm, I think. You, would you have? Would you have? Um, like Cooper Martinez? No, I know what you say, Kulusevski probably, but uh, yeah, I yes, I know exactly what you're saying. I don't think, I don't think Spurs are all that. No way, and I, I do wonder if Kane goes soon. Will they kind of have a real big, difficult transitional moment? Yeah, because there's—I've said this for such a long time. There's no reason Spurs should have got in the top four at the stage they did, in that sort of Martin O'Neill Villa era, and Villa didn't. So there's no reason that Villa couldn't have had the kind of follow-up to those years that Tottenham did have. And I keep—I keep thinking like everybody laughed at Tottenham. When, you know, back in the 2000s, you know, saying, oh, you know, they'll never be as big as Arsenal. They're just one of them clubs that just doesn't do stuff. 
And they're in the same level of Everton, Villa and Spurs. And Spurs did break through. And they didn't do it doing it the Chelsea way by spending a bajillion quid. Or they didn't do it the Man City way with the nation state taking over. They just did it where they got lucky with Harry Kane coming through, yeah. But they also, they kind of just made a couple of good managerial appointments and made some good signings and it just yeah. came off and yeah, yeah. a couple of seasons where the top four was open and they made it in and yeah like Spurs, yes but i mean spurs are a bit of the bench they're the benchmark aren't they of a team like villa yes as, as you say because they haven't gone down the you know yeah the 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 gulf state takeover because yeah. yeah that's it like people look at you know if 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 you look at atletico madrid in spain and you look at spurs um in the UK, and you think both of those clubs, they're not. I don't think historically they're like way bigger than Villa. Or they're just not. And so I think Villa just had bad management, bad chairman, and all that stuff for the last fifteen years. No stability, and finally it feels like we've chanced upon a bit of stability, and we've managed to get in a incredibly high quality coach. And so I, I, I think top four is, you know. You, there's so many factors that have to work in your favour. Ads have worked for Newcastle this season. But I don't think there's any reason why Villa can't look to next season and think we can approach this in, in a really positive light. We can go, we can just go at this season and go at trophies and try and win something and do probably really punch above the weight that people expect. Mm. And by people, I mean probably the wider media, the wider fan bases across the country who always just think Villa will be bottom half, mid-table, whatever. And just to think the next season, actually, under a really great coach, maybe we can do something that might just catch people's attention. And, you know, do I think we'll get top four? Well, I think City, Arsenal, United and Newcastle will be solid next season. You never know with Newcastle, they might just fall. Eddie Howe might be a bit exposed or they they get they can't cope with Champions League and the, the Premier League. Yeah. If they make the top four, that is. And then you'll also have, you know, like will Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea come back? You'd assume so. Um, so there's, yeah, it, it, maybe things won't work in our favour, but why not aim to do something special? That's what that's what they have to aim for, Villa. So yeah, I'm, I'm not saying we'll make it, but I'm saying that we can't. We have to dream of it. I think. Yeah, I think for too long we've um, we've sold ourselves short. Yeah. Um, and that's been down to a lot of factors, as you say, you know, lack of investment for years and bad managerial appointments, you know, not, not basically not shooting for the stars. I mean, bringing, bringing Emery in for, for me was the, 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 the best example under the current ownership yeah. of them saying, right, this no is a more. state. Yeah. This, this is a statement appointment. This yeah. is us saying to everybody in the league, we are a big club. And we have ambition to yeah. really make a go of this. Um, so bring it on! You know, I'm 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 so excited for next season. You know, we've got the the rebrand of the badge. We've got the development of the stadium on the way. We've got you know got all this all this optimism. You know, off off the off the pitch, and it's mm. happening on the pitch too. I just think I just think the stars are kind of aligning a little bit. And I'm not one yeah. for kind of believing in any sort of things like fate or anything, but it just feels like. It feels like things are really going for us. So I think as well, it's yeah. like the hundred and is it the hundred and fiftieth anniversary or something next year as well. There's some sort of there's a, definitely an anniversary, 1874 when we were formed, and it's 2024 next year. Oh yeah, there's some there's some anniversary. Anyway, so it does kind I of feel do like it. I can't do maths. I can't do maths. Three three hundred and fifteen years. This isn't a maths podcast, right? Yeah. Did we um, form during the Roman Empire? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, Founded but, by uh, Julius Caesar. 
Yeah, that's what we're called Villa, right? You know, Villas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, so, yeah. I don't know. It just feels like things are things are lining up a little bit. So, why not? Let's just do it. Go, let's go for it. Let's let's the same big. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I've been your host, George Zielinski. Catch you later, Frankie. Catch you a bit, George, up the villa. Up the villa. And it is goodbye from me, too. We will be back again soon. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs>